I hope you have your Bibles with you or your phone, tablet, whatever you're using to get to the Word of God. Uh, you want to make your way to the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning. We're going to be walking through a couple of verses there. Um, we are in a series called Who Am I? And this is our last part of this series. Uh, it, it, we're looking into the Word of God and seeing how God defines us. Because our, our entire life from child to adult um, is this temptation of being defined by things of this world. When God has already given us a, defini- a definition, He's already given us an identity. So we've been going through and understanding what our identity is, who we are according to the Word of God. We began by seeing we've been made in the image of God and in His likeness, and, and we've been made for an intimate relationship with God, and that we all have one flaw, and that flaw is not our bank account, or our hairstyle, or our clothes, or car, or anything like that. The flaw is sin. And sin is that great separator keeping us from this relationship that we were created to have with God. But God knew that about us, and He knows that about us right now, that we have a a sin problem. And because He knows us better than we know ourselves, He sent His Son to die for us, and He died for us on the cross. They placed Him in a tomb, but He came out that we could be forgiven. And, And that changed our focus now that our identity, that we've been made in the image of God and likeness of God, we're to to show that identity, that people should see God or Christ coming out of us. That's what it is to be called a Christian. And when I come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and place my faith in Him, the Bible says I am completely justified. Now that's my identity in Christ, that God no longer sees me in my sin, but He sees me clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And I can come and I have access to the throne room of grace. I can come into the presence of God because of my identity now found in Christ by my faith in Him and what He did for me. And then last week we, we showed or we saw how not only do we have an identity in Christ, an identity in God, but we have an identity in the church. And this is why God brings people to certain churches and, and He's bringing you here if you feel this is where God is leading you, that you are vital for Harvest Hill to be a functioning, healthy church. And I don't know what that looks like in every single individual, but it's not always up here for people to see. Sometimes it's behind the scenes. Sometimes it's teaching classes or teaching students or teaching youth or working in the nursery. Um, But those things are vital. You know, we cannot function without all of us working together. So God brought you here for some specific purpose that you would be used for this church to glorify Him. Today we're going to be focusing on who am I in the world? Who am I? What is my identity in the world? What does God say I I should be and who I should be? And so if you have your Bible with you, uh, again, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Charles Swindoll wrote that since God is the God of freshness and change, so should we be. And this is exactly what God has done in our life. He's changed us. He's made us different. He's made us new. We're going to look at that verse here in a second. He, and He wants us to be different in this world. And so everything that we're going to be fighting as we go about our life is they're calling to blend into this world. But God wants to set us apart, and He's done that from the very beginning of time. You turn back to the creation story, you see that God created man in His image. But as He spoke everything else into being, God formed man with His hands. He breathed the breath of life into man. And when sin came, sin took that breath. And it took that breath that God gave us. But by our faith in Jesus Christ, we receive the Spirit. So we receive a new breath so that we can be different and we can live out our identities. We're going to see what it is in this world. 2 Corinthians is written by the Apostle Paul. He's writing to a church that uh, had some issues. A lot of Paul's letters is written to churches that have issues. 
But Paul is writing this church by the power of the Spirit. This is the Word of God, and this is what God says our identity is now, that we are found in Christ. He says, For the love of Christ compels us. <clears throat> Since we have reached this conclusion, if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on, then, we don't know anyone from a worldly perspective, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. <clears throat> Let's walk through this together if you want. Jump back with me to verse 14 there in chapter 5. And Paul is led to write that the, the love of Christ, it compels us. You may read in your own translation, it controls us. And when I hear that word control, I kind of get a little tight. You know, I like to think that I'm in control. And I think we like to think we're in control. But the reality is we control much about our life as we do the weather. There are so many things out of our control. You don't know, you know how fast you're going to get to the restaurant that you're already thinking about going or how fast you're going to get home or how long I'm going to preach. See, you have no control. Um, and so we have no control in our life, but this word is speaking that now that we are in Christ, it is the love of Christ that compels us or controls us. And that word there from the Greek, it means more than just that. What it means is to compress forcibly the energies into one channel. But if we read that, for the love of Christ compresses forcibly the energies into one channel, that wouldn't make much sense unless we understand the context which Paul uses this word. What Paul has come to understand is now that I have faith in Christ, God has compressed his energy, he has compressed his spirit inside of me, and that is now my guiding force. That is now the power coming out of me, and that is now what controls me, compels me to do what I do. It is the love of Christ. It is this gift of the Spirit that is inside of me. It, it, is, it is the power that is coming out of me. It's very simple for us to understand. If I were to walk over here, we understand electricity. And so if I unplug this beautiful tree, you understand that the lights go off and I plug it back in, the lights come back on. And the same thing happens when we are plugged into the Spirit. Is now we have this power and this light coming out of us. And so if we unplug the tree, it still looks nice, but not as pretty. And it's not doing its function to which we set it up for. So if I'm not plugged into Christ, if I'm not abiding and remaining in Christ, this power that is compelling me and controlling me and guiding me is not coming out. And so I'm missing the point to which I am created. And I'm missing the point to which God has given me this new identity in him. The Bible tells us that when I accept Jesus Christ and for what he did and dying for every single individual for their sins, and that I am given this power and what this power enables me to do, look there in verse 15, is that now I don't no longer live for myself, 
Paul says that those who should live uh, no longer live for themselves, but the one who died for them and was raised. So now my identity has been changed and is found in Christ, but so is my motivation. It's not about me anymore. It's about Christ being front and center. It's about the power of Christ coming out of me. It's about the love of God coming out of me. It is being controlled and compelled by that. And it's impossible to do on my own unless the Spirit is, in fact, inside of me. If the Spirit does not empower me to do the things of God, one, I'm lost, and two, I'm not controlled by God. But now that I am found in Christ, God gives me this identity that now I have a new plan for living in this world. It's no longer to rely upon myself, but it's now to rely upon this power that is inside of me. It is this power that gives us the words to say. It's this power that enables us to bear the eternal fruit to which we will be known for. It's this power that gives us these eternal gifts, not talents, but gifts, gifts of the Spirit. Talents and gifts are different. Talents are something that either you're born with or you begin to work on and you, you get better at. So people get better at singing or playing instruments. That's a talent. But a gift is something I did not have when I was born, but when I came to Christ and I received a new birth, God gave me a gift, which is why it's so vital for you to use your gift, not only in the church, but in the world. It's because I glorify God when I do that. And it allows people to see that I am living for something other than myself. I'm allowing the love of God and the word of God to come out of me. It's to rely on him. It's to rely on him to do what only he can do. It kind of reminds me of a hymn. Uh, what's a hymn? I know. Um, there's an old hymn, and you may have heard this chorus, but it says, Without him, I could do nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Without him, I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. And the question is, Jesus, do you know him today? Do you have the Spirit of God inside of you? Are you plugged into that power? Is that what is compelling you and controlling you? Because God has forcefully put His energy, His Spirit inside of you to make you His temple. If you don't know for sure, then i got good news for you. I'm going to give you an opportunity to get that power in you before you leave this morning. But Paul says, as, as we are found in Christ and we are found in the body as we go out into the world, we not only have a new plan for living, but we have a new point of view for living. Look in verse 16. It says, From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know Him in this way. And, and that worldly perspective you may be reading as according to the flesh. What Paul is saying at the end of that verse is, is that some of these individuals, they witnessed. They were eyewitnesses of Jesus. They saw Him according to the flesh. They saw Him flesh and blood in front of Him. They heard His voice. They looked in His eyes. They heard His laugh. But they don't know him that way anymore because he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. He's now ascended into the heavens. He's now interceding on our behalf as his children, as co-heirs to the kingdom. But he's also saying our new point of view is now we no longer see people according to the flesh or, or in a worldly perspective. We see people the way God sees people because we are controlled by the Spirit of God. So yes, people have problems. So do you. So do I. People wrestle with sin. People do things we don't agree with. So do you. So do I. But now my perspective, because the Spirit of God is inside of me, is I see people the way God sees them, in love and in need of a Savior. They may aggravate me. They may frustrate me. They may make me say several prayers on their behalf. 
but I see them through the lens of Jesus. See, when we go out there in the world today, I know there's things on the news that make us shake our head and people do things and say things and it just, it's just disgusting sometimes. But we have to see it for what it is. It's sin. It's sin. And we can have a whole bunch of laws and amendments and programs and things like that, but that does not take on the sin problem. Only Jesus can do that. And we've got Jesus. And we've got the power of Jesus inside of us. And so God says, we now go out with a point of view, understanding that people don't need more rules and laws and things like that. What people need is Jesus. That's the only thing that's going to change them. And so we go out and we represent him and we go with that point of view. We regard no one according to the flesh or no one from a worldly perspective anymore. We just see them as someone who needs Jesus. And Paul says, this is what happens when someone who has Jesus, verse 17, they're no longer, if anyone is in Christ, if they're, if they're found in Him, they're a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. What a beautiful picture. God, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, God doesn't slap some eternal duct tape on you. God changes you completely. He makes you a completely new creation. He doesn't say, well, you know, get better or, or work harder or do your best. He changes us. And he says that the old has passed away. What that means is, is the old is completely gone away with. It is no more before Holy Father because I'm found in Christ. He's completely erased it. And so this is why it says the new has come with an exclamation point. It means that now I'm in Christ. I am a new creation Yes, I still wrestle with sin. Yes, I still struggle with that. And you're going to until you see the Father face to face one day. You're always going to be wrestling with sin because Satan is after you. He's after me. He's trying to tempt us and pull us away from the love of the Father. He's trying to keep us from being controlled by the love of the Father. But I can always come back to this passage. You know what? No matter how bad I fail, because I have come to Jesus Christ and I have surrendered my life to him, knowing that he paid it all, I am completely new. And God saved me. He knew the sin I had in my past. He knew the sin I had in my present. And he knows the sin I have in my future. And yet God still saved me. Praise the Lord. He knows everything about me. And yet he gives me this complete change through Jesus Christ. Completely. New identity. New daddy. New home. New outlook. New passions. New gifts, or gifts, not new. This is what it is to be in Christ. And so God sends us out as new people, fresh. And then he gives us a task. Verse 18, he says, Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself. That's what God did through Christ. And now he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation means that we've been brought back into harmony with God. Our sin was keeping us from being in harmony with God, but now that I'm found in Christ because of what Christ did for me, and He reconciled, He brought me back into harmony, He brought me back into union with Himself. And because I've come to this, this conclusion and this reality that, man, God loves me that much, now what God does is says, all right, get off your tushes and go out into the world because now you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. 
And I know we say, whoa, 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 isn't that the preacher's job or the Bible teacher's job or the evangelist's job? And God says, no, because I've put my energy in you. My spirit is in you and is controlling you and compelling you. So I can either submit to the spirit or I can quench it. And that's a choice we make every single day. But Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, he says, how then can they call on him being Jesus? They have, how can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? Yes, I'm a preacher, but so are you. Whoa. <laughs> Women preachers? Preacher is a proclaimer. The proclaimer. God isn't calling you to a pulpit. It may not be. I don't, he might be. I don't know. But he is calling you to a world that is in need of hearing. There is a cure. A world that needs to hear there is a God who loves them. There is a God who has it all figured out, knows everything about everybody, and he is for people. They need to hear about this message of reconciliation. Paul goes on in verse 19, he says that Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. See, this is a gift for everyone. It's, it's for the world. He's not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. So God says, go. You're in this world because you have a mission. You have a task. You have a job to do. See, God understands that we would be so much better off if we were with him face to face right now. I mean, why when we get saved, doesn't God just say, come on home? Why does he make us go through all this stuff in this world and all this wrestling and all this pain and heartache? It's because God puts us here so we can be different. We can be a light into this darkness so that other people can come to know the love of the Father. And so we go out into the world with this message of reconciliation. Look, it's not about what you have done or what you think you can do. It's about what God has already done for you he loves you and he calls you into relationship. So God gives us a new purpose for living. Verse 20 says, we are ambassadors now for Christ. And that is such a cool word in the Greek when we get into the context of what that mean, meant. I mean, the, the New Testament was written under the, the, the canopy of Rome. Rome was in charge. And if you're familiar at all with history, you know, the Roman Empire was massive. And so the emperor, or Caesar, he couldn't be over all of it. He couldn't, he couldn't manage it all. So he sent senators and representatives and ambassadors out. And there were two types of ambassadors. There was an ambassador in a peaceful territory, and there was an ambassador in a recently conquered territory. And so the peaceful territory, because Paul's using this language, we are now ambassadors, it'd be like we are representing Christ right now in the church. I would consider it a peaceful place to represent God. And I know... There are things that happen in churches across this nation that are not glorifying God nor peaceful. But for the most part, if you can't be a Christian in church, <laughs> you're not going to be one outside. This should be a place we should be able to just love God and represent God and come bring our mess before God and know that he's for us, not against us. And so there were peaceful ambassadors. They were in, in, in countries and in, in provinces that that knew they were conquered and had come to terms with Rome and were living under the Roman agreement. Then there were recently conquered provinces. And these people were not so hip on Rome. 
They wanted nothing to do with Rome. They felt Rome was coming in upon them. Jerusalem would be a, a non-peaceful province. It was full of riots. It was full of, of, of things happening. This is why Pilate was like on a very short leash. And so an ambassador in a non-peaceful, recently conquered territory, what he would have to do is first he would go in and he would have to learn the, 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 the culture of the people. He would have to learn their languages. He would have to learn their customs. He would have to learn what they did and how they treated people and, and what certain languages and, 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 and motions meant. So he would study the people, a lot like what we call a missionary today. He, he wouldn't study the people so he would become like the people. He would study the people so he could then teach the people how to blend in with Roman policies. And the whole thought was that he was blending these people in so they would understand that they are a conquered people. The battle's been won. The victory's been won. And now they owe their allegiance to Rome. Now Paul's using that language and our identity in the world is that now we go out into a world of a people that are conquered by sin but need to understand there's a God who is in control of all things and we need to take the terms of God's kingdom to them. We need to speak their language. We need to meet them where they are, not so we become like them, but so that we can help them come to the shepherd. And our, our calling is this, verse 21. This is the condition. He, being God, made the one, being Jesus, who did not know sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the condition. Come to an understanding that God made Jesus sin for the world so that we could be forgiven for our sin and become the righteousness of God. That's the condition. I understand people... Think God just wants to control them, and God's a God about rules. Don't do that. And you know, if I if I become a Christian, I'm not going to be able to have any fun. The Bible says is that if you don't come to Christ, you're dying every day. And, and you may think whatever it is is fun, but the reality is, is it's killing you, and it's stealing your joy. But Jesus Christ came to give you complete joy and to give you complete life. And Satan tries to keep people from understanding that, that God wants to bring them into this relationship so they can experience life the way he created it to be experienced. That's our identity in this world. We go out into the world as God's ambassadors to a hostile world and wants nothing or little to do with God, wants no, no God in their life to be in control. And we go out with the message that God sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross for you because you and I, we both do sinful, bad things. But because God loves us, Jesus died on that cross. They placed him in a tomb, but he came out that we could be completely forgiven. And if we place our faith in that, God invites us into a relationship and he gives us everything we need for godliness. That's the message. That's our identity. We now represent the Father. That's what every individual who calls themselves a Christian is to be doing. We represent the Father. You may be here this morning, and you're like, man, I, I don't do that very well sometimes. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. But because of the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the faithfulness of God, we keep pressing on. 
But you may be here this morning, and you're not in Christ. The Bible says you're lost. You can't be who God has created you to be because you've got that sin issue still dwelling in you. And so God brought you to this moment. God's brought you to this place to extend his gift, to extend his invitation, to be a part of his family, to accept his forgiveness, to accept his reconciliation, that he would bring you back into harmony. He doesn't ask that you have it all figured out. He doesn't even ask that you own one of these. He doesn't even ask you to go to church every single day or you read your Bible every single day or you know every Christian song out there. He simply asks that you trust him and you place your faith in it. So you may be here this morning and this is where you need to be. You need to come before the Father and say, God, I am a sinner. But I know you love me. And I am asking for your forgiveness and for Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Would you give me your spirit and save me and make me your child? If you're here this morning and that's your prayer and that's where you know you are, then I'm going to stand down here and I'm going to ask if you would make a confession of faith. If you already believe it in your heart, The last thing the Bible says to do is we have to confess it. So would you be willing to come down and just say, Pastor Mike, or you say, Mike, I won't won't tell you to go around. (laughs) Mike, I want Jesus, and I know I need Jesus. I'd love to pray with you, and I'd love to celebrate with the heavens because God has made you into a new creation in his image, in his likeness, and as a representative of him in this world now. That's where you are. I'm going to invite you to come as the worship team comes up. And let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for giving us this incredible task to represent you. But Lord, thank you that you go with us. You promise to never leave us or forsake us. You empower us. You give us the words to say when we need to say them. Father, you give us everything we need to represent you in this world. Forgive us those times we don't. But Lord, thank you for just entrusting us with such an incredible mission. Let us go out and be ministers of reconciliation with the message of reconciliation of how you you reconciled us, paid our debt. Father, I pray for the individual here or individuals who have yet to let it be known that they believe. Lord, I pray that your spirit gives them the courage, that your spirit moves them, that your spirit right now in this moment compels and controls them, that they would walk down that aisle and they would let me know they want Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. Lord, thank you for giving us this, this invitation. No resume required. Thank you for your love and your grace and your faithfulness. And Lord, be with us as a church and let us represent you the way we need to represent you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Father, we love you. Let that be evident in our song in response now. Stand as we sing.